Welcome to the Cape Brennan Harding Music Podcast. Was that presentary enough, an introduction? <laughs> How has your week been? Have you all been stretching your life beyond the 5k? Um, anybody listening outside of Ireland is going to be like, what? What? What is this stretching your life beyond the 5k? Well, we have not been able to move beyond our five kilometres from our home for quite some time because of a big lockdown, because of, you know, the thing that we're all living through, um, the pandemic. But uh, we're able to move around a little bit more this time. And um, I think a lot of people have been enjoying that, especially people being able to get to the sea. If they've been able to get to the sea, it's been great. Anyway, um, have you been enjoying the blue skies? There's actual blue skies for the last number of days. And in East Galway, trust me, it is the least blue sky place in Ireland as far as I'm concerned. Um, it's gorgeous, but there's a lot of grey. Um, it's just been gorgeous. And one of the things I've really enjoyed is spotting all the planes in the sky. There's been no planes for so long and I guess growing up in Dublin and being fascinated by planes and air travel, I have just really missed seeing them. And then I guess I was watching quite a few TV shows actually lately and um, movies and listening to the George Gibney podcast, which is very, very amazing. I'll go back to that in a second. But each one of them sort of uh, things that I've watched or whether it's podcasts I've, I've listened to, they've all featured the sounds of being in a plane, you know, that that, you know, being in a pressurized container and the kind of noise and um, the bing bong or like obviously it's not that exact noise, but you know what I mean? Those airplane noises or public transport noises. And, and I'm like, I've actually missed those noises. I've missed missed that sensation. You know, it's been kind of nice looking up at planes and daydreaming and wondering what where they're going, I presume. They're heading off to Canada or America, but uh, and then imagining being on one and imagining going somewhere exotic. What's on the podcast this week? Well, um, I've had my mind blown by the new David Keenan track. He's a wizard. He's just a wizard and I'm under his spell. He put me under his spell many years ago. Um, he is that kind of guy. Uh, if you if you get to see him live, you just become completely entranced. He's just he he just he's magnetic. He's amazing. Uh, he's brand new track out. And um, yeah, it's brilliant. I can't wait to play that snippet for you. Uh, I have new music from Smooth Boy Ezra from Greystones. I have new music from Peter Doran, who I played a few weeks ago. Well, he's got another um, track out. The Altered Hours from Cork. They are back. They have released a beautiful new track. And Villagers. Conor O'Brien returns with a song that's been inspired by another love story. The festival that happens in August and that I miss so much. Um, my guest this week is Orla Gartland. Now, I've been playing Orla Gartland on the podcast for quite a while. Um, if you're a regular listener, you will know this. If you're not a regular listener, welcome to the Cape Brown Herding Music Podcast. I hope that you um, have come and sat down or gone out for a walk and you've put me in your ears and I hope that you enjoy what you uh, find. Um, let's go treasure digging together. Let's find some music together. That's kind of how, how I like to view the podcast. Um, the podcast is made into little parts where I just put clips of songs together and then the full playlist is available on Spotify and I am a broken record because what I ask people to do is if you discover an artist or you hear a song that you really like please go and buy the song or the album or some merchandise from the artist because artists they gotta they gotta be paid for their work you know says me who's not been paid to make this podcast and probably is um being a little bit slow and sluggish and shy about setting up a Patreon but um I think I probably should set up a Patreon um 
Oh my god, I'm so scared about setting up a Patreon. I have no idea why. I think it's that Irish kind of humble, odd, shame, devaluing yourself or whatever, do you know? But um, I tell you what, I'm going to set up a Patreon by next week. That is my challenge and I'm making a commitment to this microphone that's in front of me and you that is listening <laughs> so that I do it. Um, and sure, let's see what happens, do you know? Anyway, look, back to the podcast. So Orla Gartland, she's amazing. Um, she's going to be releasing her album in sometime later this year. But uh, she lives in London now. She's from Ireland. Um, she moved over a couple of years ago. I have been a big fan of hers for the last, I'd say, two years, actually. She's an original YouTuber. She started um, making music herself at the age of 13 and putting it on YouTube. And she's got loads of Spotify follows and... Oh my God, and the millions of streams and stuff like that. Um, And it's no wonder why. She's absolutely brilliant. And I hope that you guys, if you don't know of her, you will enjoy listening to us chat and also you'll enjoy discovering more about her music. She's deadly. So that'll be coming up in a little while. And um, before all of that, well, there is a birthday this week. Um, A birthday of a rock and roll legend, Mr. Iggy Pop. He actually appears, he's appearing on a new album um, by the French artist Cleo called L'Amour Elas. But I couldn't fit in the new track until I'll fit it in next week. So there's only one way to start the show. Given that I was talking about airplanes, I should have actually started with the passenger, but I'm not. I'm starting with us for life. <laughs> Here you go. Folk shall be within you. Now I run the game, got the whole world talking. King culture, everybody wanna cut the legs off. Of King culture, black man taking no losses. Oh yeah, bitch, where you and I was walking. Now I run the game, got the whole world talking. King culture, everybody wanna cut the legs off. Of. Straight, pull a straight, spitting in the cold. Wish I had a bait, face 
God, the energy on that. Yep. Oh, vibrant, vibrant energy. Uh, that's called Town's Dead and this is a new track from Kojak. And it's uh, from his debut album, which will be coming out soon, which is of the same name, Town's Dead. I hear shades of Young Fathers in that track and that is no bad thing. I absolutely love Young Fathers. Anyway, wonderful there from Kojak. And before that, I played Kendrick Lamar, King Kunta, which whenever that comes on a club, when we're all back in a, oh my God, place is just going to lift. And before that, Iggy Pop, Lust for Life. Um, okay, so guess what? Tola McKay and Failey Speaks are uh, starting their own podcast and I'm just telling you all about it because I think that it's going to be brilliant. It hasn't been published yet if you're listening to this on Saturday morning, but I believe it's going to be out every Saturday at six o'clock on Spotify and on their YouTube channel. Um, They were on Tommy Tiernan's show recently and they were brilliant. Just so good, so energizing, so honest, so open, um, willing to share their experiences, their stories and have such a great buzz off each other as well. It's brilliant. So I'm looking forward to this podcast. Uh, you can follow them on Twitter, Tolu and Feli Show, which is T-O-L-U and F-E-L-I Show. Um, and speaking of Tolu, here is her brand new latest single called Used To Be. One who is love to me You still are the one I know I'll be within the end The one who came from heaven gay pop brat in me got very excited by that track that is the x collective and who on earth did the x collective well actually there's a really cool story about the entire collective but the uh five people that are on that are chloe agnew Zafo, sanita toshin and Gemma bradley and uh, the song is called wb 
So let me tell you about the X Collective. Um, back in 2020, all the way millions of years ago, back in 2020, that's what it feels like these days, isn't it? IHA Events launched a new Irish music platform called the X Collective with music and artistic ex- expression at its core. It's founded by industry pros Emily Shaw and Ellie Breslin, who is Zaffo. And the X Collective is a growing community with 70 artists and creatives signed up to the initiative, offering them a broad spectrum of music industry skills, expertise, including recording, songwriting, producing, management, PR, videography, event management and much more. Can you tell I'm reading that off a script? No, but their 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 um, press release is amazing. Like what they're doing is fascinating. And that track uh, was originally so um, two of the writers of the track met at a songwriting, you know, kind of songwriting camp and piece that together realized the hook was really catchy and they were going to sell it to a well-known girl group and then they realized that they had all of that at their fingertips and what I love about it is each of the acts themselves individually are brilliant there's a lot of BIM going on here um there's a lot of people have are BIM graduates Gemma Bradley is and Toshin is and um I I just kind of love that it's got that 90s girl band vibe it's upbeat. It's got something a bit fresh about it. So it's not sounding, you know, it doesn't sound like someone trying to copy something. And yeah, I, I like the identity behind the X Collective. I like people looking after each other, helping each other, working together. I think that's really cool. So, uh, yeah, you can check them out again. All the songs for the podcast go on Spotify. I have a playlist for each episode. So if you missed an episode, you know, go back and listen to them. But also like the playlists are there so you can hear the songs in full and kind of see where I'm off to with my head sometimes or sometimes maybe it doesn't make sense unless you hear me talking through the podcast about them but anyway uh, I love that track and it was a perfect slice of 90s pop and I definitely think I needed that this week to go along with the blue skies uh, before that you heard Big Pig with Lavender um, Big Pig is Jess Smith and she's getting great traction over the last few years like she's really really getting attention it's brilliant that track she sounds kind of Billie Eilish in it and that's a really I, I know I do a lot of comparison but I think Sometimes you can kind of um, listen to something and know that the comparison is a good one. And I, I'm making that comparison in a good way. Um, but it's so great to see so many young Irish doing so well. And she's one of them. She's brilliant. OK, so now it is time to get a cuppa or do something um, gentle and sit back and relax and enjoy my chat with Orla Gartland. We recorded this early in the week. Um, over Zoom she was in her London base and I'm all the way in my spare room in Galway the glamour of it anyway enjoy the chat uh, you're going to hear some of Orla Gartland's tracks um, sprinkled throughout and I will be back after so um, you're listening to the Kate Brennan Harding music podcast <laughs> That's a brand new track called Zombie, which I played last week on the podcast. It's from Orla Gartland. And guess what? All the way from London, joining me 
because of the magic of the internet. It is Orla Garland. Orla, thank you for joining me on the podcast. Thank you for having me. And thank you for setting up a, a microphone and for getting all into the sound kind of thing for me as well. I love it. It's got to be done. I think it's yeah. important. And I, I love this. I love this stuff. Yeah, I can see that. Um, so you have been, you're living in London for a number of years, obviously. Uh, you have just released Zombie, which congratulations. I love that it's doing so well. And as you said, it hadn't Thanks. even been added to lists yet. It was cool. Um, what's it like having, I presume you have been writing loads, but you've recorded, have you recorded the album in full now? It's all recorded. Yeah. Yeah. Gonna get, I'm finally going to get to announce it in a few weeks, which is going to be fun. I had some just mad delays with the vinyl, which held me up for ages, but I, it's been, I recorded it at the end of last year and just like, yeah, just big milestone for me. Really like uh, a nice focus that kind of pulled me through last year. Um, much needed. I think it would have been a very different year without that. And yeah, I'm still very proud of it. I haven't listened to it in a while, like very mm-hmm. deliberately because you kind of, you tend to uh, overdo it and kind of exhaust your ears. But that's what's kind of nice about the singles coming out is, you know, I've been doing music videos and bits around these songs and kind of revisiting them at like slightly fresh ears, which is actually really nice because you get to listen to them, not completely objectively. I don't think you could ever do it that to your own thing, but it's nice to, it's nice to forget exactly how something sounds and then a couple of months later be like, oh, cool. Yeah, still like it. Thank God, you know, it's so nice. That's really good. I think um, I Declan O'Rourke on recently and he said the same thing. It's a thing of letting go and going, okay, it's done now. Stop tinkering with it, you know. It's um, so hard to know when. It's very, uh, very how long is a piece of string. Mm-hmm. And did you find, you know, like obviously you've been writing and writing for years. You set up a YouTube channel. What Were you only 13 or something when you set oh, up yeah, a YouTube channel? Tiny baby, yeah. Yeah, that YouTube YouTube generation when YouTube was actually not completely and utterly mental and full of like overly polished <laughs> kind of things. It was more DIY yeah. artists and stuff. Yeah. Um, are you completely DIY now still? Pretty much, yeah. I have a manager, but I have no label. I I am my own label. I set up my own little label called New Friends, which is just the name of one of my songs. And I fund it all through just music and patreon and it's it's still there's like a couple of bodies that help me with like the specific things you know like have a booking agent for gigs and things like that but everyone answers to me i'm much to their detriment sometimes but like i definitely i definitely need that control over my own project and anytime i've flirted with the idea of signing or you know going into something more traditional something just holds me back i just i just love I just love being in control. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's, it's really important to have a say over your art. Like a lot of the conversations that have been happening on this podcast have been about, you know, I may have brought up that I see people chasing the commercial radio platforms and in doing so they kind of lose their own art or when they sign sometimes they don't sign with uh, labels that are correct for them and they don't get to have what made them special in the first place you know Mm -hmm. Uh, that is exactly it that is the thing that happens so often and I see it and it's absolutely heartbreaking when it's your friends Um, you have something special you don't always know what it is yourself because it's impossible to see your own uh, artist projects or any project objectively and yeah you go into a situation where you're just what what is produced often is a watered down version of the original thing and somewhere along the way 
along the persistent A&Ring, along the persistent commercializing. Um, and often it's often money, to be honest, you know, there's so little money in music. If, if you, if I wanted to live a bougie life, I would do something <laughs> else. You know, it's like, don't do this. There, ha- there is a vocational element, but it's just crazy when there is money involved. You, you think it's going to make your project better to have fancier music videos, to have bigger marketing budgets, but it's so often the opposite from, from what I've seen sometimes the more backing that you have, the more pressure you have, and then you end up just playing it so safe. Exactly. It's the playing it safe. And I have to say, though, what I'm seeing, especially coming out of Ireland and coming out of, I think, the UK as well, there's a really huge scene of really unique new talent, new talent and in the pop sphere, because pop is no longer seen as a dirty... I, I don't know who started seeing or put, putting pop down in some sort of patronizing level, because pop is just amazing. But like between pop, rock, shoegaze, everything, you know, there's a whole plethora of uh, people doing it themselves and sounding different, which is cool. I feel like niches are re-emerging in scenes. And I I think, I know that you're, you know, in and from radio world, and and I hope this doesn't come across offensive, but I think think radio losing some of its power has been really good for what it's done to those niches because no one it's very, I don't think it's very often now that some like that an artist's life is truly, truly transformed by radio support anymore. I don't think it holds the same power, but I think with streaming and playlist culture, like niches can exist and thrive Mm -hmm. and they don't have to always adapt their music for radio. It doesn't have to be as listenable. It doesn't have to be as three minutes long. It, It can remove some of those barriers. And I think, I think it's just really cool. Yeah. I think when I left, to come here, I felt so uninspired by what was happening musically at home. And I felt like, I felt like nothing but white guys with acoustic guitars was on the radio. And I know I'm a white girl with an acoustic guitar. So maybe (laughs) I'm not exactly the full antidote to that, but I just felt so uninspired by it. And I think now from the outside, seeing what's happening with like the punk sort of scene and I'm thinking of like Fontaine's and the murder capital mm-hmm. and I'm thinking of like the Kojak crew and like there's just so much like exciting stuff happening that I think is so so far from what I know Irish music to be in the like most exciting way and I think yeah watching all that happen is so great. So I think you're really right to have said that about radio and I think that radio was a phenomenal force for good for music for so long. And I think that it unfortunately has been infected by the same thing that has infected the record labels and the same sounds. And I'm like, I'm like a broken record talking about this because Mm -hmm. it's algorithms and it's not what Mm -hmm. people will, you know, it's basically just monotonous, you know, it's monotonous sounds. Mm -hmm. There are some good stuff that gets on the radio. And thankfully I am beginning to see a little bit of a difference. There are some stations that and some shows on stations that are making a bit of a difference and, and going against just playing the exact same thing. But, yeah, um, may, maybe in that sense, radio needed a, a, a kick up the arse, you know, because I think it's, it's humbling. And I think particularly with radio at home, I mean, radio culture here is, is, is different. This BBC mm-hmm. is very different. But I think it, it, to play the same music again and again at home, to me, it, it belittles Irish ears because you're assuming that people don't want to feel challenged by anything they listen to and that they will hate if they hear anything that isn't a certain type of artist. 
And actually, I just think that's like really offensive to Irish people because it's we actually have much more varied tastes. And yeah. by not placing different things in front of people because you think they're going to respond badly, it's like think more of people. Like people want to listen to diverse music, people I know anyway. And yeah, I just knew people. I knew so many people at home in Dublin that were listening to BBC Radio 6 as their main station because they were so disheartened by how samey everything was at home. And I think that's such a shame. So it's really it's exciting to see that shift because, yeah, I, I see it and I feel that as well. It is. And I think it's important to remember, like I grew up um, listening to Atlantic 252. I'd have to lie down on the ground um, and sort of almost put my arm in the air to get the right reception. Do you know the way sometimes you'd have to wiggle mm. things to get reception? Um, because it was playing music that you couldn't hear every day. But at the same time, you look back to, so I grew up in the 90s and, you know, the difference that you had, the variety that you have in the charts then even, even if you're not going after commercial, the variety. And I think we have a wave where there's going to be so, there is so much, as you said, there's scenes, there's playlists, there's people diversifying and just listening to the people that they trust, their tastemakers. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's people like you creating really important and really honest and refreshing. Um, I call them, I call them honest earworms. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that. I like that. <laughs> but um, you've got all of this going on and it's just going to burst through because the old guard can't stay standing for that long. Do you know what I mean? Um, so it's kind of like being on the crest of a wave, I guess. And it's kind of nice to watch, but going back to you and your honest earworms, you know, most of your writing, nearly all of your writing is observational and, you know, you're talking very introspectively as well. You've talked about heartbreak. You talk about, you know, um, not being yourself when you've been out socializing. Are we expecting like a lot more kind of introspection then from the album when you do release it or? Yeah, definitely. So what, yeah. what, are, the, what are the big themes you've been exploring? So yeah, it's, it's, it is very introspective. I've written, I have written sort of your, your more cliche type songs of the past than I've, and I've, you know, I wrote an EP before all this album stuff that was about a breakup and got that out of my system. I think everyone has to at some point, but when it came to my like debut record, I was just like, I don't really want it to be about anyone else. I just Mm -hmm. want it to be about me and like my brain and my stories and stuff. So yeah, there's, I think, I think sense of like self and, growing into yourself and just growing up I think there is a bit of like a coming of age uh, current that runs through it maybe inevitably Um, and about kind of yeah adulthood coming for you whether you're ready for it or not uh, is a big one and and also just yeah the odd track here and there just dips into a completely different thing altogether like zombie is about a kind of fragile male character who can't express himself and how frustrating that is which is at its heart like quite a heavy topic but I didn't really want to make it like sad ballad I kind of wanted it to just be quite fun and light so I think there's a lot of that kind of juxtaposition as well where you know I like writing about stuff that's real and maybe a bit different and keeps me interested but like I don't but I also love a chorus (laughs) yeah I love I love I am like a pop writer at heart so I think that way of packaging something up so that it works on two levels is just like my favorite kind of thing Mm. I kind of I love as well in zombie that it's like it's a woman singing about about this um this block that a lot of men have on on being able to to just express yourself it's like and and it's not that they're tied up no exactly it's society they're tied up in knots and they're stuck 
It's so sad. Yeah. It's not even meant to be a frustration at the the person. It's mm. just like, it's so unfair for them as well. And just wanting to like burst through whatever that is, it's like, yeah, I see it in a lot of people. And, um, but yeah, I just love writing songs about stuff like that, you know? <laughs> um, tell me about the video. I saw a clip of the video for Zombie and you were running. You seem to be running everywhere in it and using drone footage. Um, you're very heavily involved in obviously all of the work that you do. So, you know, from creating your videos, etc. But what was that like creating the video? Is it out later on this week? It'll be out on Thursday, yeah. yeah. So I directed it with my friend Greta, who's like one of my best friends, who's been helping me with all my visual stuff. And obviously, you know, with no gigs, I feel like the visual side of things at the moment is it's everything. It is really important. And she working with her on across it all, whether it's photos or videos, it's just it's it's allowed me to like enjoy it a lot more than I think I once did the visual side because it's easy to see it as very detached. Mm. It's easy to be like doing music videos and photo shoots thinking I'm a musician. Like, what has this got to do with anything? But actually, as a fan of so many people, I think building a visual world around something, it really does, it really does add value if you can do it right. So yeah, we did a, it's sort of in the style of Hot Fuzz, Shaun of the Dead Mm. type crash zooms, like very silly. Um, And we shot it in a, like a town in Surrey and in it, I'm a zombie rescue ranger. I love it. So it's kind of like a... I kind of look like a punky Girl Scout was my was my uh, brief that I think we got in the end. And I am running around this small town and uh, just saving zombie boys from themselves. So, But they're like a very specific kind of zombie. So instead of like full zombie makeup and like arms out mm-hmm. um, and all the tropes, they're a lot more just like zombie soft boys <laughs> yeah you know like timothy chalamet like yeah. floppy hair slightly disheveled grunting boys type zombies <laughs> and i'm picturing yeah. did you, you know and that brings me on to you know uh, one of your tracks was featured two of your tracks were featured on normal people mm. uh, and talking about okay very different type of zombie boy boy trying to express his, his emotions but very actually very similar energy i think Completely. that song could easily be about connell that block oh my god it's so uh, specific god yeah that's such a good example I, it, that is one of the most frustrating things i found about writing about uh, about watching normal people was how relatable mm. uh, his character was to to people that i grew up with oh my god it was i thought it was I thought he, it was stunning, but also like so close to the bone. <laughs> it was so raw and so stunning. And I can't believe that I think that like, as I read the book and I, I liked the book, but I found some of the characters, you know, it was just frustrating. Whereas the, the visualization of the TV show actually gave a more empathy or something. Um, yeah. It was so exciting. Yeah. And I remember speaking to, obviously it did so well over here. And I remember, you know, I remember speaking to people thinking this is, you know, there's so much, you know, absolute shite, especially made in America about Ireland, you know, and they're always like terrible accents and it's Picara, just, Picara. Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, all the tropes. And I just think to me, for God, it's like one of the only things I've seen where I was like, this is exactly what it's like to grow up at home. This is exactly, you know, I didn't go to Trinity, but I had so many friends who went to Trinity mm. and like, it looked exactly like their experience and yeah, it just felt really, um, just really good. It was so very real. And I think as well, what was really good about it is that like the, the 
playlisting of songs and it focusing mm. on Irish songs and elevates Irish artists, which is something I always believe in in any way capacity that you can do if it's TV or radio or, or plays or advertising, you know, it's elevating that. Mm. And then it was just kind of interesting as well, because it provoked a conversation like my mom, different generation to me, I'm a different generation, just slightly to the normal people generation. Um, and it's like seeing how the the lack of communication and where the where society is brought us means that people are struggling with their identities and struggling with the um, pressure that is put on us all to be mm-hmm. successes and to be successes in a visual aesthetic sense. Not that's so true. Yeah, Instagram culture, isn't it? It's just romanticizing everything and god it's so dangerous yeah i mean i i see it a lot in london i mean it's it's prevalent everywhere but i think there's a real um there's a very hustling culture here of people who come here to do something or come here to work in an industry and dominate it and it's just it's exhausting (laughs) yeah it is exhausting so how do you cope with that then in terms of maintaining your own identity um, and filtering out or you know I think I read an interview with you where you said something along the lines of you realized you were at parties and you were talking and you were sounding not like yourself mm. you know and like there's so many I've done the same so many times when you're sort of I suppose for me it's sometimes an imposter syndrome thing or or you know please like me um, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. like in London how have you managed to continuously keep your own identity or forge your own identity or grow into yourself Mm, I mean, with difficulty and it's like still, still a process, I think I'm sure it's the same when in your world and sphere and groups that you move in, but musicians are, we're just like a weird bunch. All my friends here do this, you know, and it's such a specific experience. And obviously I want to be around people who get it. You know, I guess that's natural, but God, we can just be so full of nonsense and we can get and it's it, we can get competitive with each other yeah it's really hard not to fall into that the comparison game is very real so yeah I don't know if I've really quite cracked it to be honest it's still going on I mean growing up helps I was 19 when I came over mm. and I was so uh so lost and didn't know like what I was doing and I had no look at home I didn't know what to do I felt like without like a cousin that worked at mcd i was just like i have no ins i don't this is so rogue how it works i think it's so much more developed now but i just i had no idea how to make it work at home but also coming here was so big and scary and Mm. where do you even begin so you know i feel a little bit more sure of myself now just with age but yeah i don't yeah it's just a weird weird thing you seem to be incredibly driven like, you know, obviously writing music from such a young age and then, you know, on the press release that Dave sent me, it's, uh, you know, how you knocked on venues asking to sing and, and people would be like, no. <laughs> and then yeah. and then you moved to London. Like, did you just decide, OK, London's where it's at. This is where I need to be. Yeah, to be honest, it was like fairly naive as everything is at that point. And like, I don't think it's funny you just do things when you're younger and you don't really think about them as much like and now I would overthink a, a move like that to death but at the <laughs> time I was basically following my friends who were in this band called Hudson Taylor oh yeah and they had moved over here I had busked with them and they were like really the only because I was a bit of an internet person there wasn't a huge amount of people I knew in the Irish music scene I didn't mm. really feel part of it I felt like very much on the periphery and yeah those guys have moved over a year or two before and they had 
got a manager, got a label. They were kind of taking off these steps. And I just remember thinking, oh, that's, I only have one example in my real life of someone who's pursuing this and they went to London. So I should probably just do that. It was kind of, that was all the thinking that went into it. option as in that you were like I, I do you know what I'm I'm not going to follow this music trail like I'm you know did you I presume you're like all creatives have doubt and stuff but like this is what I go back to the driven it's like okay this is what I want to do this is how I'm going to do it and I'm just going to keep going mm. like did you ever did you ever go actually maybe I'll just become a pharmacist or something Weirdly, I did. I think part of why it was easy enough decision to try music was that all of my other things that I wanted to do were also creative. So I wanted to do like graphic design was my thing. Mm-hmm. And you can just imagine my parents were like, brilliant. Art or music, brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> just strike her off and let's start with the next child and see if that, <laughs> they do something more productive. Um, so weirdly, music didn't feel that road because all the other things I wanted to do were like a, even more even maybe more so mm-hmm. um, but yeah I think if I was to start now if someone really made me start again I would love to I'd love to study to be a therapist or a counselor cool I maybe in some way you kind of do that for yourself within the yeah, sounder I do you? a lot of yeah to, to an extent like it is very like I guess my style of writing is very self-aware and I I've just had like yeah I've had a really I've had a couple of really good therapists that have just been like amazing. And it's such a cool thing to do for people. So if someone made me start again and it couldn't be anything creative at all, I'd love to, to do that. Cool. Um, what was I going to say to you? If, when you started out or who were your earliest musical influences? My like most long-standing ones that are still, still ring true. Um, I love Imogen Heap. Mm. Amazing. I don't think my music is that that imaging heat, but I just think she, as a model for a career, is such a great one. Yeah, I think she's so, so cool and so diverse and so self-sufficient. Like she was a big part of me wanting to learn to actually produce and not just leave that to someone else. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've always, always loved Regina Spector. Don't know if mm-hmm. you know her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was one of the first people I went to see when I came over and I like didn't really have like any money when I moved over and I remember like saving up to see her at the um like festival hall or something on South Bank, like some big theater and I was just like so wow. she's just magic. So maybe those two, I think. Okay. As my like long sign is people that have like come and go and I like I love like going back further I love like Joni Mitchell mm. as well and a few people like that but yeah, those, yeah. 
So there's a very strong female presence in all of your... Yeah, it's yeah. funny that. Like, I do, I do listen to a lot of guys as well, but I think in terms of, like, influences, I don't know, maybe you just see... Maybe I just see myself more in women, you know, maybe. Yeah, I do. I think, I think my taste of what I, like, listen to is quite diverse, but I don't look at, like, a band of guys and aspire to be that because I can't see myself in that, maybe. Yeah, that's really interesting. Mm. Yeah, it's kind of because I was thinking about this myself. I um, I've noticed like I I generally play almost at the moment more f- women or non-binary people on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I'm to go back and have my tastes and analyze my taste, well, not analyze them, but just be like, okay, these are my, you know, split me open my heart, you know, my teenage mm. kind of loves. And before that, it's all guys, and I'm like, mm. God, I'm really sexist by accident. Do you know what I mean? It's like, well, maybe that was also what was put in front of you, you know. And yeah. now that you work in in radio and you know how that works, like that radio has a huge it's access, isn't it? As well, you know, a lot yeah. a lot of responsibility in terms of just like who you make people aware of, especially pre internet times. Completely. So, I'm sure, so, there's a big movement at the moment, you know, to get more women on the air, you know, gender balance, mm. gender disparity reports coming out both in the UK and in Ireland and showing shocking levels, which we all knew. But like, you know, it's when you make the big wigs take notice, you're like, come on now, you know, sort mm. this sort this out. This has kind of gone crazy. Um, you got BBC Radio One play the other day? I did. I was honestly very surprised as an Irish person. Were you? <laughs> yeah, well, I like... This sounds was, brilliant. To be honest. Yeah, but it's not always just about that, is it? I think it's it's a little bit harder. You know, the BBC introducing Root, how that how that whole thing works, I have to say, I have been like extremely impressed by. Yeah, it's brilliant. And I think that kind of thing at home would be so amazing. And it's easier here because they've got all the different threads of BBC. And But like the reason I was surprised, I suppose, was that my, because I'm based in London, the BBC introducing Root, um, the, the uploader that you go through is naturally the most competitive one yeah, whereas of course. if you live in cornwall or uh, you know brighton or bristol brighton or, or, yeah. or scotland or something that you mm. can go through the more local ones and usually have to get that local support before they like push it through to radio one so i've you know i've been really like really surprised in an amazing way of that i'm kind of i'm not because i mean no. i think that you're Thanks. writing i think you're writing on the i think you're writing a new type of pop and a new type of um, a new type of sound that people like it's really catchy and you're really honest and you don't sound commercial and yet at the same time I want to hear you uh, I want to hear you on the main playlist of the radio stations do you know what I mean oh, thanks um, yeah I'm definitely yeah no it's it's very cool definitely I think you're planning yeah I think you're I think like you've been doing that the last you know the last two EPs so that's why I'm really excited and there's a nice buzz about you as well like what's that like as a person going oh my god is there a buzz about me <laughs> I, mean, is that I know of- honestly I've been doing this for so long that like I I barely believe it and also like I I don't know yeah I think radio in particular is just something again maybe it comes from growing up and not seeing or hearing a lot of people like me mm. being pushed at me but like I just and, and because I come from this internet culture, this like DIY thing, I've just always assumed as like a base thing that I won't get any radio support and that I have to build my own audience and I have to do everything myself. And like, that's still what runs through me. So may- maybe it's a, maybe it's as a result of feeling maybe a little bit let down by Irish radio when I was growing up, not, not at not playing me. I kind of mean pre even releasing anything, but mm. I think I have it 
I always had it in my head that radio was like not something I could ever count on getting to be honest so it's like it's all just like a bonus but it's not something I thought would be part of my story at all and I think given what we were talking about at the start definitely see that there is a change there is a change coming do you know what I mean if you didn't think it was going to be there for you it's so exciting yeah like after after I did the Irish Women in Harmony thing last year yeah like that was so cool because I you know we're all in a whatsapp group and Mm. I have I have never felt even though I was over here and everyone did their thing remotely I have like never felt more connected to a scene before it was so amazing you had people in that group like sharing stories about being the only girl on tour sharing stories about you know not everyone just like giving out just having these really like specific experiences that were then shared like as someone who's a solo artist I suppose not a band like it can just be such an isolating experience Mm. and having all these people in this group and all these girls that I haven't like haven't even met most of them but it's like so that was the best thing to come out of that apart from like the moment movement and the moment and the gender disparity report and that was all like really interesting and important conversations but like the friendships that have come from that have been like so cool but you see that's exactly it it's like um there's a real beautiful thing now I'm not a musician I'm a DJ and I like shiny new music and sharing it with people but um as a woman who like in the very first podcast um from this series, I talked about how back in the mid noughties when I started DJing, I used to look at um, lineups and see like, oh, there's already a woman on the lineup. I can't apply there to, to, to DJ. That was my own mentality. That was the, the patriarchy, the oppression, the, oh, yeah. there's only room for one. And, you know, I'm very hands up about it. that's how I thought as in, I didn't think about it. It was just, that was my world. And that's how I, would, you know, the, that's how I kind of held you, myself back. You were just responding to what you saw though. Completely. And then it's like, I see more and more like, and it's gorgeous. There's just this wonderful elevation of each other, especially now all Irish musicians are doing is across genders, but you know, for women in music um, and women in harmony to be coming together and also a lot of different genres there too. Mm-hmm. Lots of different types of talent, lots of different productions. Um, it just must be gorgeous to have found a tribe. Yeah, that's exactly how it feels. Yeah, you're totally right. And I think there's so much different kind of music in amongst that group. In fact, the only thing that we have in common at the heart of it is that we're women making music. And we're in Ireland or we're from Ireland. That's That's the base level. And sometimes that's as far as it goes in terms of musical crossover. It's just, yeah, such a, like one of the most like beautiful things to have come out of the last year. Completely. To be honest, and, and I reckon- and also I didn't really get to feel the effect of mm. like I was getting texted by my mom and dad all the time, being like it's on again, it's on again, and obviously I just felt like quite detached because I couldn't turn on the radio and just hear it. But mm. it was um, I was so happy for Ruth Ann who like originally pulled it together. It was just so cool. It resonated with so many people, but I also think that from it, as you know, around you saying about WhatsApp groups and chats and not so isolating and being part of something, I think that there will be a lot more fruitful stuff comes from it, like stuff that we won't even know. Do you know what I mean? Oh, hundred yeah. uh, percent. And for for me, it'll be the like, like I said, I left because I couldn't see myself in mm. people. So to think, and not this is not me tooting our own horns, but just that group and and some of the artists that come out of it. Um, I just think of the like next 12, 13, 14 year old at home who, who thinks that 
oh, there's a load of women on the radio. Like I write songs, like maybe that's something I, I could do. And mm-hmm. just like plants the seed in your brain. That's all it needs to do for you to be able to see examples of people and people who stayed at home and, and did it and had careers. Like that's so, um, that's so magic. Exactly. You have to see, you have to see what's possible for you in your own future. It's totally living into your future. And it is, mm-hmm. you know, like there has been, we do, we do see so much or we have seen so much men and you don't see as many women. And then the access to, to getting into music or the ways to start it's not it's sometimes not acceptable you're like you know oh boys can form a band but you know girls forming a band in in teen years it's like oh what are they at do you know what I mean even our own perception of it doesn't allow people to create I guess or to see themselves you just need to see examples don't you it's the Mm. same thing as I see with like you know I've been trying to get into production for years and like just starting with my music but eventually I'd love to be producing like stuff for other people and I think oh, it's the same kind of thing. I've just like, I've done so many sessions that I've worked with about two female producers like yeah. in all the years. Like it's just seeing examples are so powerful. Yeah, totally. Speaking of working and producing for other people, you um, helped write a song or you co-wrote a song for BTS. Oh yeah, that was so <laughs> random. Tell me that about was, that. That was so random. Yeah, I definitely will. It, it's very like, it's a little bit exposing of that camp, but I, I think it's fine. They, how it worked for in that instance of that one is I have a publisher who looks after me as a songwriter and they always send around tracks to top lines. So just to tracks that are already done. It can be like big dance DJ tracks. It can be pop songs to pitch. Um, and I don't usually do a lot of it because it's a little, it's the complete opposite of wholesome. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like you have fully developed tracks. I love production. So I love being in a room with someone who's building the track and I love to have input. So when someone sends me something where the full three and a half minutes is already done, I sometimes struggle. So I hadn't really dipped my feet into a lot of it, but I was living at the time in the last house I was in, in London with my friend Martin, who's really amazing songwriter who I share a little studio with now and he has the same publisher so we had the same set of tracks and they sent an email one day saying these these will be uh, tracks for for BTS so they were tracks made with them in mind or made with by their producers and we're taking you know it's like an interview we're taking mm-hmm. applications basically to write a top line have a go and we had a day where the two of us had our sessions cancelled or whatever we were doing that day got, got pulled and so because it's so unwholesome I was like do you want to just have a go at writing something together because then because it, it, it you know it's like this Irish girl pretending to be seven Korean boys <laughs> is so it's so wrong <laughs> it's kind of gorgeous though it's proper art it in a way you know it is and, and do you know what's really wholesome about it is like they're the biggest one of the biggest bands in the world mm. they could have any they could have any producer of any caliber or any songwriter at any level write those songs. And I thought there was something cool about the fact that me and Martin had as much a chance as anyone. So mm. we wrote a, a song, we wrote a top line together um, that it, that he vocaled because he had a male voice, obviously. Um, and how it then worked, and this was the really fascinating bit, we sent off our our top line back to the people and didn't think about it for months and months never heard back and then eventually they took like a section of our top line and then a section of someone else's because bear in mind the tracks have been sent around to loads of people so mm. you loads of versions and they basically cut it up and made this kind of frankenstein song with loads of different voices it was like one of the strangest things i've ever heard <laughs> <laughs> 
and then they choose the songs and then it got translated into Korean because obviously the original one yeah. was, was uh, fragments of songs in English and also people writing about all sorts of different things. So they're essentially just collecting melodies and then they have someone rewrite it in Korean and, and bring it all together and actually make it make sense. And it was so interesting. I've just never been part of anything like that. I'd love to do more. Like I just thought it was so... Like I said, so opposite of wholesome. You know, I'd love to say that I like sat in a room with them and mm-hmm. carved it out and like <laughs> heard about how they were feeling. You know, that would be amazing. But learned how to speak Korean, you know. <laughs> oh my god, I went to Korea. I would love that. But but I think, yeah, the the bit that was wholesome, like I said, is the fact that me, someone who just mainly has their own artist project, isn't really like a writer for the people as my thing. The fact that I had like as much chance as anyone else to got the track was quite nice and it's just like fun. Yeah, I think that the K- I think K-pop is amazing how they do it. Mm. I think it's really um it's quite it is a little bit like factory, you know? That's what kind of what I mean about the it's a little bit like next next next, but they're also just it's such a huge industry and they're so resourceful with their music. Like the fact you write if you write for sort of UK pop, US pop scene, it's it can be such a wasteful process. You're doing sessions all the time and most songs will never come out and they will like sit on your laptop forever. And I find that really hard. Um whereas yeah, with K pop there's just so many bands and it's such a huge industry and they're forming new ones all the time and they just seem to yeah be really resourceful with the songs that are written and so many of them actually do come out. So well, I kind of like it. So random. It is really random, but I really like the the fact that something so big and commercial and the machine, and as you said, the opposite end has that story, but also then helps you fund your own, you know? So it's like... Yeah, totally. Yeah, I think that, like I said, they can get the Max Martins of the world. You can get the biggest people. Mm. And, and, some, and some of those people do work on songs for them. But yeah, I just I thought it was so cool and very like, very cool thing to watch, kind of watch from the sidelines, you know, once my bit was done. It was just like watching to see what happened next and being on these email chains being like, God, this is crazy. You meant to and learn like it. it going up on Spotify and like my name being beside all these like Korean names. I was like, this is so sick. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's been good. I, I did over lockdown. I did. I didn't delve into like Zoom writing session thing too much because it like I find it really quite a hard format. Um, but I did off the back of the BTS thing. I did a K-pop Zoom writing camp. And, and, wow. that, and that was that was actually way more fun because they had I was on Zoom calls with Korean producers that were over there, and that felt way better because I was like, "You're they understand the culture of that music, mm. and and they're wanting to borrow from like writers that are all over the world because the idea of some of those bands I think now is to like cross over and cross I think over. you hear a K-pop song or a BTS song and and you can turn it down and you just don't even realize that it's not in english like it's so western in how yeah. it's written and i guess that's that's part of the appeal and how they've managed to kind of break out but it's also just like it's important for me if i'm doing dipping into someone else's world like i want to understand what i'm doing as mm-hmm. well and like especially if you know that most of the lyrics that you write will be trans- translated there's a huge learning curve there to do where you know, we were careful when we write our original top line for the song that did come out. We were very careful not to, like, with language, because if you know that things are going to be directly translated, which sometimes they are, you you have to like be aware of idioms. Yeah, you can't say, 
Oh, hello, colloquialisms. Yeah, you couldn't have a lyric about having cold feet because <laughs> if you're going to take that literally, it just like doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So that was like that was what was cool about the couple of sessions I did that that followed that that were actually with the like the Korean producers. I could like bounce ideas off them and be like, would this translate well, or if this like does this make sense, or like maybe I can put it in a better way, or maybe I can like say this in a more straightforward way, which is already like such a hard thing to do. So it's really fun. It actually sounds fun. I'm kind of like in my own head going, hmm, I'd love to just watch one of those things and see how it works. Do you know? It's Is so it? bizarre. I got to see so weird. It's like putting together a jigsaw puzzle that hasn't existed. Yeah, it feels like that. Yeah. Um, I have one more question. I'm going to let you go. Um, sure. I guess it's the thing. It's what would you. It's OK. So you've missed live music um, mm. like so many people. You've missed performing. But mm-hmm. when this is over. Is there any great big change do you want to see in the music industry that will happen that you think because we've had this time? Do you think that there's something that's going to shift? Um, mm. God, yeah, that's such a good one. I want to say, just because we talked about earlier, I want to see more women on the radio and stuff. I don't think, to be honest, that's happening anyway. It might maybe, maybe slowly. But one thing I was thinking about recently that I'd love to see, and it's a little bit niche game maybe but I'd love to see musicians just like look after themselves more <laughs> like I have so many friends that do this and we've been conditioned to believe we're so lucky to do this job and we have to take every opportunity that comes to us and we shouldn't expect to get paid for anything and we should just you know I, I see it a lot with session players as well yeah. playing people's bands you know and they just go on tours relentlessly and they never sleep and they're just hustling away and they've had this year and a half where their industry have shut down and it's not it's not been easy for anyone but it's also been like such a wake-up call for so many people I know and to really think about the kind of culture they want to return to and this month for me um because the restrictions being lifted here as we go I've started to become busy in person for the first time in a year Mm. so like writing sessions come back and uh, there's a girl uh, called Dodie that I play guitar for so her her rehearsals have come back and we're doing live sessions for me so it's been like the first in-person busy month that I've had in a year and I'm like absolutely wiped out Mm. so out of practice so close like it it really hasn't taken a lot this month for me to feel like completely burnt out so even though it's yeah maybe like a little bit niche and maybe not a very like industry-wide thing I would just love to see my musician friends come back and say no to things if they're going to be exhausted or try and space their tours out so they actually get some sleep or like something you know I think what you're saying there is so vitally important and I think where that root of that change comes from is people buying music, buying merchandise mm. and supporting artists in a different way. So that Definitely. the money, the money trickles through and that the money is a, uh, not, you know, like, because people are, you're working to the next paycheck, you're working to the next gig. You don't know when the next gig is going to happen. So I know what was here, we had the pandemic unemployment payment, but like, mm. and there's talk now of the universal payment for artists and, um, oh, and that's people great. who work in the industry. Yeah. And I think it really, really has to be looked at um, because exactly that it's about taking care of yourself. And the only way we can um, allow people to think that they are yeah you have the time and you can take care of yourself is if we start paying and rewarding people properly and paying them for their art you know totally and it sounds counterintuitive but yeah yeah if you you don't want your favorite artist to to burn out and 
and stop if you want your your favorite artists to have long standing careers with multiple albums like you need to want them to be able to take time off and like take weekends like live life like a normal person Mm. because that's just how they'll stay doing it for for longer so yeah no you're right I think a lot of it comes down to the to the to support side of it and I think we've all been so starved of live music that like I'd like to think when people come back that people will come back to people who really appreciate being there you know especially when you live in cities where people tour all the time it's easy to take it for granted the Mm. amount of people that pass through and I definitely won't be taking gigs either as someone who plays them but also as an audience member I definitely won't be taking them for granted again yeah. and I'm going to be going to the merch stall and buying you know two of everything <laughs> yeah it's go to the merch stall it's it's make sure that all that money it's not just the artists that you love it's all the people that help the artists create what they do do you know the background mm-hmm. staff definitely uh, everybody you know and the venues because the venues are suffering you know but yeah mm-hmm. I think it's a really gorgeous thing to mull over it's like okay yeah there are things that we definitely need to do because mentally people have to be well you know yeah um and that's exactly it cool orla totally thank you so much for taking the time to chat to me and have a little thank ramble chat me basically. no i loved it thank you um i cannot wait until the album comes out i know you can't say when that's going to be um but the absolute best of luck i think you're going to have a really interesting year ahead of you um thank and i'm you. really excited to hear more from you oh i appreciate that thanks for having me no problem talk to you soon thank you and i've been trying to train my mind to put you in But it's still not coming naturally After all this time So tell me Why this has to be So heavy Tell me Why this has to be Cause I really thought that we'd be cool Some exception to the rule Thank you so much to Orla for joining me on the podcast. You can find her on Twitter and Instagram as Orla Gartland. Uh, please go buy her music, go support her, go follow her, go, you know, make make her make money so that she makes more amazing music. I think she's deadly. Anyway, um, the tree, the tree. I find that so hard to say. And I went to elocution lessons for years. Anyway, the th- three tracks you heard in the interview were Zombie, More Like You. And that last one there is my personal favorite of hers. It's uh, called Heavy. It's beautiful. She just wears her heart in her sleeve. There's a lot of that going on in this um, episode of the podcast, actually. A lot of people being very, very vulnerable and open and expressive about who they are in the world. And I guess... I kind of like that. Um, do you know what I did? I watched the documentary McQueen during the week about the creative genius Alexander McQueen. And it was fascinating watching footage of him. He was young and eccentric and awkward and driven. So, so driven. Passionate. Um, and it was a really gritty, really beautiful, but gritty and honest documentary. Um, so if you've got two hours to spare, I just wanted to throw that in there. Um Go and have a watch. I I think you could see the parallels between anybody in the creative industry, music or any any kind of form of creativity in that um, 
people who really, really are of another level and um, the doubt that can creep in the the um, how they survive uh, with all of this attention when they're just still just doing what their main focus in life has been. It's 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 brilliant anyway. Um, so onto something completely different. Speaking of, of somebody who I think is a bit of a creative genius. He's one of my favourites anyway. It's Conor O'Brien Villagers and he has returned this week with a really dreamy track. It's really, yeah, it's following on from his last album, definitely the soundscapes that he's evoking in it. Um, it's called The First Day and it's inspired by the festival Another Love Story. Another Love Story happens in Killian Manor. Uh, I spent some New Year's Eves there wandering around the manor playing DJing and making new friends and also summer there as well. It's just it's a beautiful, beautiful, very small festival. If you get a chance, let's say like I, I kind of keep thinking about people in the pandemic who maybe have not gone to a festival and they might be listening to this podcast and they might be going, oh, Jesus, Kate, you're a bit obsessed. But anyway, or what they might be doing is going, you know what, when the pandemic, pan- pandemic, when the pandemic is over, you might be thinking to yourself, you know what, I'm going to squeeze that shite. I'm going to squeeze everything out of life. And one of those things would be maybe I'll go to a festival. Well, you would be doing yourself a big favour if you managed to get a ticket to another love story if and when we all get back to it. Because I think it's only something like, I think it's only 1,100 or maybe it's 1,500 people. It's really small and it's intimate and it's cosy and people are really, really friendly. So that would be the one to go to. Um, Although I would also then suggest going to Body and Soul. But if you want to start small, that's where to start. Anyway, back to Conor O'Brien. <laughs> Um, here's villagers with the first day. Check out the video, it's gorgeous.
on top of fire Now you burn by the softest light With the voices of a Okay, I'm rapidly falling under Peter Doran's charms. That's his brand new track, Voices, the title track from his album, which is due for release on the 7th of May. I'm looking forward to that one. Before that, I played Smooth Boy Ezra. Smooth Boy spelled S-M-O-O-T-H-B-O-I, Ezra, E-Z-R-A. And that was their new open-hearted track. It's called Stuck. Uh, There's an EP coming out soon. Smooth Boy is 19 years of age and has been producing tracks for quite a while, uh, getting huge attention from like NME, The Irish Times, BBC Radio 1 for the last track, My Own Person. They have 10 million Spotify streams, which is pretty cool. And uh, they supported Orville Peck at uh, the Grand Social in Dublin. Oh my God, I really want to see Orville Peck. In fact, I must make a little mental note to play Orville Peck on the podcast next week. If you don't know who Orville Peck is, go and look Orville Peck up, okay? Um, Okay, now to Cork. We're going down south to my old home. Yes, I lived in Cork for years. Um, The Altered Hours, they're back with a stunning new track. It's called All Amnesia and it's written as an ode to living in the moment and it explores the idea of putting the past behind you and allowing yourself to be led by the present. I like that. Um, Elaine, the lead singer, she says the lyrics represent what it means to forget the past and to be guided only by the desire of the moment. It speaks to the idea that forgetting or suppressing history can lead to erasure of the future and how unwillingness to face our reality leaves us floating in a hedonistic present. Well, here is All Amnesia and I'm all about it. Ophelia of memory, my professional dreamer, tiptoed towards immortality, laughing into the wind. Onwards now, onwards now. One boot is more than enough. We've never seen nothing like this before Oh, the bells have told He's never coming by Crack, smack, stone Once upon a time My mother was a lady An OCD fat grilling machine That was then and that was that 
Once upon a time, my father was a coward, but I love him for who he is in the present. That was that. David Keenan. Oh, my heart for David Keenan. He just returns there with Peter O'Toole's Drinking Stories. That is the name of the track. And I can tell you now that it is absolutely one of my songs of 2021. I've listened to it on repeat for 24 hours. I cannot cope with how brilliant it is. It's one of those reasons I wish I could play songs in full on the podcast. But, you know, when I get my own radio show, then I, I'll be happy, won't I? <laughs> um, if you, As I said earlier, if you want to go and listen to any of the tracks in full, the full playlist for the each episode is up on Spotify. Um, so this is episode 10. Oh, my God, it's episode 10. Like, oh, my God, this is episode 10. Anyway, um, this next artist is Fears. I've been playing Fears quite a few times on the podcast. Um, she uh, played as part of Music Town which went on for the last week. You know, I had Leagues O'Toole on the show last week telling us all about it. So uh, musictown.ie has a YouTube channel and Fears is releasing her album Iha on the 7th of May. There's quite a few acts actually releasing on the 7th of May, isn't there? Um, Anyway, you can see the performance uh, in full, the performance of that album. Obviously with lockdown, people have to think outside the box. And in this case, there's visuals and the dress and the costume and the theatrics from something just a small box room created are really beautiful. It's a lovely 40 minutes spent watching it. So I recommend you go and do that. Here's her latest track, Fabric, and uh, it'll be followed by a cool electronic offering from an artist uh, who messaged me called Walk Then Dance. But first, here is Fabric.
Yes, 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 yes. Let the sunshine in. Milk and Sugar remix by Purple Disco Machine. And I hope that brightened up your day. I just I just wanted to pop that into the podcast and brighten up everybody's day. It's beautiful. The previous track was from Walk Then Dance, who is Ian Golding. He's an Irish man living in Glasgow for the last 10 years. And this is his first release under the name Walk Then Dance. Hi, Ian. Uh, thank you for sending me the music. Ian um, sent me a message on Instagram and he was lovely and he was like, um, hi, I really want to send you music. I realise this might not be the correct way to send you music. And uh, do you know what? It's lovely. And I'm happy for people to send me or connect with me on Instagram or Twitter. Sometimes I don't get the messages because they go through to that other folder. But if you do want to send me music, send it to kbrennanharding at gmail.com. Uh, but yeah, always say hi on the social media channels because what else are they for? You know, Um, now. So the podcast is going to come to an end. Episode 10 is coming to an end. Uh, What did I want to talk to you about? Oh, yeah, I wanted to talk to you about. Oh, my God. I watched Promising Young Woman. It's available on Sky Cinema and on Now TV. I'm not sure where else you get it. But anyway, um, watched it during the week and the images of it. I cannot shake from my head. The visuals, the aesthetic, the soundtrack. The soundtrack is phenomenal. It's brilliant. I don't want to go into the story. I want someone to talk to me about the story. Um, my partner fell asleep halfway through, <laughs> woke up at the end. Um, and I think she, I hope she's going to rewatch it so then I have some, an actual human to talk to you about it. But anyway, uh, I, st- I spoke to my friend Clara. We left each other incredibly lengthy voice notes. Um, she's living in London at the moment and I think some of our voice notes can go on to 17 minutes long. We're crazy. But anyway, we, we, we leave each other little waffle pots is what I call them. Um, anyway, go and watch it. It's... It's different. It's brilliant. Um, and Carrie Mulligan is just amazing in it. And her nail varnish is gorgeous. I can't believe I'm going to say that. But when you watch it, watch out for her nail varnish. Anyway, I'm not going to tell you anymore. I do not want to ruin it. I plan, though, um, on closing my sets in the future with this track. Get your hairbrushes out. Stand on a table or a bed or anything near. Yell this song at the top of your lungs into that hairbrush. Go watch Promising Young Woman and tweet me about it afterwards because I need to talk to more humans about it. This is absolutely, it's, it's just, it's a fucking tune. Excuse my language. This is Angel of the Morning by Juice Newton. And oh, I'll see you next week. Enjoy. listening to the Cape Brennan Harding Music Podcast. Thank you so much for listening and joining in on the music madness. I'm back next Saturday 
And if you'd like to get in touch with me, you can email katebrennanharding at gmail.com. Follow us on Spotify, Kate Brennan Harding. Follow me on Instagram, Kate underscore Brennan underscore Harding. And follow me on Twitter at KateBHDJ. Thank you so much for listening.